the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 235. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and whistling. I'm Ryan Panagos, Vice President and Executive Editor, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by Ben Morse, Editorial Director of Marvel Digital Media, and we also have with us Lexi Morris and the video intern. The video intern, yeah. Because you're, yeah. you're a master of audio. It's yes, true. I am. Except the headphones <laughs> were like trying oh my to kill God. you. <laughs> yep. What right. exactly was happening there? Feedback. Yep. Feedback. We, I don't know. I fixed it because I'm a master. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Press is it buttons possible, and hoped it worked. Is it possible that the listeners right now have feedback just ringing in their ears as we're talking? Going to go with a no. No? Hope not. You lucky guys. Tweet us if there is. Yeah. Please uh, tweet us if this if this audio is unlistenable to. Our, uh, our, our quality assurance check should be in place where Blake has to listen to the podcast, at least some part of it. Maybe we you should too, see. Alexis. All right. And uh, we'll figure out. If that works. Yeah. Works for me. Yes. If you're just joining us on the podcast, we've got um, so much to talk about. A lot. We've got new comics, print and digital, collections and single issues. Um, We've got news. And uh, we also have This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, which Ben and I don't have to do. Nothing. Yeah. We got the week off. We don't have to answer your questions. I mean, we don't get to answer your questions. (laughs) I will say I saw a bunch of feedback from fans about last week talking about Star Wars. Hmm. Uh, you were wrong no. about where Han Solo comes from. I don't, I you think, were definitely wrong. It's I not think the, the same jury, place. The jury's still out. Nope. There's some pronunciation issues. Corellian, and some, uh, Han is... What did I say he was from? The whatever... Uh, I think it was Corellian. Nope. It was I not. I believe it was... No. It was Corellian. whatever was in that issue of Darth Vader and right. where... Those people, the... the, the oh, those people? Yeah, those people. Okay, those people. The royals and that whole story is taking place. Uh, I always thought that the Millennium Falcon was a Corellian freighter. Right. That didn't necessarily... you saying, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Obviously. A Corellian freighter that didn't necessarily mean that Han was from there, but... I mean, you had to figure, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. You're good. It's just a safe bet. You're good. You know? Um, yeah. Good old Corellian boy makes good... Gets a gets a freighter, becomes famous, infamous, yeah. infamous. All right, before we get into the new comics out this week, okay, big deal. Talk to me. We have a brand new Marvel Mastercard, which is uh, a big thing because we've teamed up with uh, with some awesome folks, Synchrony Bank, and 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 gotten this cool Mastercard that actually has a bunch of really awesome designs. Um, and they're going to be working with us on the podcast. Yeah. And you're like, podcast sponsorship? No. Who's who's it's, that? Who's doing that? That's uh, who's doing that? Cut it out. The Wolfman. Oh, I right. know. Uh, but we actually, it's actually a super cool thing because uh, the Marvel Mastercard has tons of really cool benefits. And like I said, it has really awesome designs like Captain America Shield. You get an Iron Man, Spider Man, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but like. Gambit card. There's no Gambit card, thankfully. Maybe, maybe down the line. No, like a playing card with a hand on it. And it's charged up a little bit. That I, I would be very upset by that. There was something Just, Gambit that someone pointed me to, 
One of our listeners, Raph AB, pointed me to something gamut, and I was so upset. I was so annoyed. Just ruined your day. It just, it did, it did. Throws your whole day off. Yeah, uh, but the Marvel Mastercard, um, we're gonna talk about it here and there. You're gonna hear it, but only in the best ways because it's got really cool benefits. If you are in need of a credit card, or if you have a credit card, and you want a credit card, just throw it in the trash. Oh, get all right. the Marvel Mastercard, and uh, know that you can get three percent cash back on some really cool stuff like dining, select entertainment. And online at marvel.com. But what I thought was neat about the 3% back, because I have a bunch of cards with different percentages that give you right. who's a what's it? Because you're rolling deep. I roll so deep. Uh, but you can get, like, if you go to uh, books and comic book stores and buy your weekly comics, you get 3% back. What? So you're spending com- money on comics this week. We're going to talk about those books. Yeah. Make sure you get the Marvel MasterCard in the future. Or if you already have it, let us know. But use that. Get some cash back. Put some change back in your pocket. Or some dollar bills. Or some... Uh, what other legal tender is there? Checks. Checks. Uh, Checks. Like, I mean, this all comes back in the form of a statement credit, I think. Yeah, so it's not sure. like we're actually putting coins in Get your pocket. <laughs> Get that paper. Get that paper. Get that paper, baby. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of other really cool things. I think you get 10% off at Marvel Shop oh, wow. as well, uh, which is super cool because there, I think they're sometimes exclusive, some really cool t-shirts and other things there. Um, and when you sign up, you actually get, you know, make some purchases. You get $25 back as a statement credit after your first purchase. So you can spend $25 on comic books with your new Marvel MasterCard, and it's like they're free. How about that? Does it seem too good to be true? That's because it's not. No, it's true. Is that what you mean? It's not too good to be true. Believe it. Yeah. Believe that. that Are we going back to the shield? Believe that. Yeah. Um, All right. So... That's a little bit about the Marvel MasterCard, but it's super cool. Uh, definitely check them out, get the cool designs, and get your cash back. Yeah. So the theme of this podcast today is going to be things that you can spend your Marvel MasterCard on. Because we've got a whole bunch of good stuff that you should be shelling out your cash for. If you're going to be shelling out your cash, do it with Marvel MasterCard. Totally. Because as Ryan just explained, money back. Yeah. Money talks and... BS walks, baby. No, no BS here. Uh, all right, let's dive right in the comics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Or I don't know where it was going. It's fun. It's free form. Yeah, it's isn't that the name of the formerly ABC, ABC family? <laughs> uh, yeah, Cloak and Dagger gonna be awesome. Yep, very excited. But also very excited about the comics this week, starting with a year of Marvels. Uh, a year of Marvels. The amazing number one. So preface this: it is a an infinite comic series, mm-hmm. one per month, and this is sure the enough. printed version uh, that we're looking at right now, which is uh, all about Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day, uh, because you know Makes holiday sense. time. Yeah. Uh, Valentine's Day story is a great one with Peter Parker about to go on a date with. Sissy Ironwood? Oh, Sissy Ironwood. Is that I don't, right. not familiar? Uh, I believe she's of the New York Ironwoods. Okay, so great. Uh, and there's <laughs> it's not helpful this nope. week. Nope. Uh, it's a Ryan North written story. Yeah. So it is wacky to the max. Does it have footnotes? No footnotes. Disappointing. But it's got a lot of jokes. Cool. It's really funny. Uh, Peter's going to go on a date. It's Valentine's Day. Vulture 
realizes, hey, it's a holiday. Surely the heroes are on their dates and not paying any attention to the crimes. I'm just going to rob a little bit. And I'm a lonely old man, so I have nothing to do. Uh, But he goes to to rob the bank, gets stopped by Spider-Man. Hilarity ensues. It's a really, really funny story. Uh, Part of what we're doing with the Year of Marvels is uh, introducing new talent to Marvel. So the artists on this, the artists on this are uh, Mast, who did the layouts, who we know from a lot of our infant comics but also uh, Danilo Beirut and Chris yes. Peter uh, for, you know, drawing and doing some color work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're getting to shine on this, and it's a really funny, really cool story, and it has actually a heartwarming little ending. Oh. Uh, and then the second part, because this is two issues in this one mammoth-sized tome, is an Ant-Man story. The use of tome. Yeah, set on St. Patrick's Day, but also spring break time, and it's in Miami, and there's people in bathing you know suits. No people go crazy at spring break time. Yeah, Alexis, how's your spring break action is it like crazy like like look at them they're dancing is that spend it working yeah (laughs) that's right you know what gonna make something of yourself exactly exactly Exactly. going you're going places guess who never went anywhere for spring break i'm this guy i'm guessing it's ryan panagos because i'm pointing at myself (laughs) yep i never i don't remember any spring break other than going on spring break either yeah and now i'm a vice president (laughs) how about that i think i just i think at best i just like took time off and went home and slept yeah I'd rather hang out with, you know, friends and not party stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just me. Wow. Hot take on spring break from Ryan totally. Bonagos, people. But if you like to party, good for you. Have some fun. Uh, there's definitely partying in here. Have there's a good people time. in really weird costumes. Uh, there's action adventure, double crossing. And Always lies. action adventure. Lies. Lies. It's a, it's a great story. Uh, I highly suggest you check out the Infinite Comic if you have not already. Really talking with your hands. I know, I can't help it. It's a nice added bonus for our listeners at home. Um, Speaking of our listeners at home, something they should check out is All New Wolverine Number 7, written by Tom Taylor, art by Marcio Takara, color art by Jordan Boyd. And this is another heartwarming tale because it teams up All New Wolverine, Laura, with the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl shows up, well, first I should preface by saying there's kind of a thing at the beginning, just a little prologue, a little preface, if you will, where we flash back to when Wolverine was still alive and Laura was bargaining with him whether or not she was going to stay at the Institute, saying she needed him, and him saying, you know what, my life is so complicated, you, you don't want to be near me, I'm taking off. So we see that reflected in Laura's relationship with Gabby, the young clone of her, who is similarly staying with her and Laura similarly is trying to pawn her off. And the whole gist of the story is Laura trying to figure out whether or not she can be there for Gabby. She does that through a team-up with Squirrel Girl, who brings a live Wolverine to the door and throws it at at Laura and says, Wolverine! And it's great, because she goes, basically, what Squirrel Girl wants is for Laura to help her with a situation involving squirrels, and she thinks that if she has a Wolverine with her, then Laura can see it from their point of view. I... This story made me so happy. I know it's very it's 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 a it's a smile inducing story. There's really there's no fighting. There's no bad stuff. It's just Laura and Squirrel Girl tracking down a squirrel, having great chemistry, having nice moments. The Laura Gabby relationship going to a different level and beautiful art by Marcia Takara. What do you want to see, Ryan? Did you talk about the the name of the Wolverine? No. What is the name? Of the is it Jonathan? I think it's Jonathan. Jonathan the Wolverine. What's interesting to me. Is Squirrel Girl acts as if she knows what Jonathan's thinking, as if she could understand the Wolverine. But to the best of my knowledge, that is not in her skill set. Yeah, but 
clearly this Wolverine's like, I love this lady. Yep. I love these ladies. I'm going to hang out here. I'm a Wolverine. Yeah, the Wolverine is not, you know, it's not scratching up anything. It's not like, well, Laura says to Gabby the reason she has to stay behind is to make sure Jonathan the Wolverine doesn't destroy the apartment. But there was really never any danger of that. Yeah. So we have a great, like I said, a great team up between Squirrel Girl and Wolverine. I love the bit where they take a selfie together. I love that we're getting to see different sides of Laura as a Wolverine who can really belong to the Marvel Universe. I love this page. A lot. It's a big splash page. It's a big splash page with something jumping out of a box. <laughs> and lessons are learned by the end of this story. It's really touching. I dare you not to shed a tear. I, di- I mean, I didn't I didn't cry. What's wrong with But you? I was really excited What's and happy and I laughed you? a lot. Oh, and it made a, me so happy. Such a beautiful story. It really is. Uh, all right. On to Amazing Spider-Man number 11, written by Dan Slott, art by Giuseppe Camoncoli, Cam Smith, and Marte Gracia. This is the big showdown between Spidey and... Scorpio. Ho. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Yeah. Uh, who is a fury, which yeah. is a big deal. Uh, who, Spoiler alert. Is that... Do we not know that? We did I, not I, know that going in. You, Ryan Panagos, have violated the golden rule of This Week in Marvel. Well, let's say we knew it. All right. And I'll pretend like we knew it. Uh, But it's a great fight, and there's a lot of stuff in here that you don't know uh, as you get into it. Especially, there's a part in here where you figure out what Scorpio's trying to do, and what he he actually gets to his endgame. Yeah. And he gets to... Scorpio's a surprisingly effective villain. Exceptionally so. Good for him. He... For all intents and purposes, wins and you know, like gets to what he needs to do, and we get to see that Spider-Man has a big battle ahead of him, many big battles mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, but it's really cool. It sets up a whole ton of stuff. There's all the stuff with all the various uh, supporting characters that Dan and company are putting together. Yeah, it's kind what, of that's what Dan does beautifully. It, it's it's fascinating because if you look at it, you can see Dan like setting up a stick and a plate, and he starts spinning it. And a plate, and he starts spinning it. And a plate, and he starts spinning it. Mm-hmm. And by the time the the issue's over, you've gotten the conclusion to this great story. But then you look, and there are like twelve plates spinning. But you know he's going to come through and and tackle them all, and none of those plates are going to break. Yeah, don't break no plates. That's like that song. Don't, don't go, go breaking plates. Please stick to the saucers and the utensils you're used to. Perfect. Yes. Also perfect, Angela, Queen of Hell, number seven. Is it? We'll be the judge of that. It is a great issue. This is a really nice issue. It's uh, the last issue of Angela, Queen of Hell. This one got me in the, yeah. the, the feels. This one's a tearjerker. It's written by Marguerite Bennett. Main story and colors by Kim Jacinto and Israel Silva. Stephanie Hans on the sub story. And what a sub story this time. So it's a little, little confusing trying to figure out what exactly is going on. But the short version is... That the version of Angela from Secret Wars, the 1602 witch hunter Angela, who has become the queen of the fairy, has now invaded our dimension and is going to wreak all kinds of havoc unless our heroes can make a deal with them. In the process, we learn something about Leia. Well, we learn a few things about Leia um, that tie her to the Angela from the other dimension, um, some Secret Wars goodness, and Leia makes a deal with Angela from the other dimension that she wants seven years in exchange for she'll help reunite her with her lost love. What we get from there is Stephanie Hans drawing a year per page, and it's all set in different places. So we get year one, we get year two, and it's basically Angela, Sarah, 
and Leah living out this life together, this beautiful life. Um, it's all over the place. You get them in New York, living in their apartment, reading stories, going to Los Angeles. Uh, we get interactions between Leia and Thorai. Thori or Thorai? I always say Thori. Thori. We get the Guardians of the Galaxy reunion, which is really nice. We have a bit with Leia and Loki, a little interlude there. Oh my gosh. The best part is when Loki's talking and mm-hmm. Thori's there, and he goes, Obscene! Yeah. Because Thori talks, and it's adorable. It's pretty great. And then we have them invading heaven to free the Anchorites. Um, and then we have finally them back in New York City celebrating Christmas. I'm not giving you the blow by blow of this one because there's so many sweet moments. And for a book that's about this warrior princess and her companions and invading hell and all this other stuff it's incredible how rich and heartfelt the relationship at the center of all this is the relationships because i would throw leia in there as well a hundred percent leia's leia's bonds and what she's looking for and it's just a beautifully written story it's very well illustrated uh you get some thor you get some appearances by the angels you wrap up all of the dangling threads that were left throughout the series and then a nice goodbye letter from marguerite bennett so really everything you could want yes um all right on to avengers standoff assault on pleasant hill omega omega Omega. you know who's great kenny omega yeah i've never seen i've never seen much of him i can't how he's so good yeah he's so good that's a wrestling talk for this moment. Uh, all right, on to the comic book written by Nick Spencer, art by Daniel Cunha, with uh, with Andrew Angel Unzueta, uh, Matt Wilson, helping out in various places. Uh, this is the big wrap up to uh, Standoff: Assault on Pleasant Hill, and it goes out with uh, with a bang. There's a lot of stuff happening in this issue. One, it's giant size. It's a mammoth tome, uh, and we get uh, we we teased it last week. On the social medias, a mm-hmm. character may become a long-awaited return. Right here, we see what, who, if that comes to pass, and it's uh, it's pretty terrific. Also, Nick Spencer writes a hell of a Zemo. Like yeah. his Zemo, great Zemo. Make I was like laughing. I was having a great time. This is a fun book in mm-hmm. the midst of something that's full of crazy and, like, violent and dangerous and weird. It's great. It's a I lot mean, of fun. if you read Superior Foes of Spider-Man, yep. you know that Nick knows how to drop the laughs into a heartfelt story. He does. 100%. Which is what, exactly what he does here. And I, I'm, I'm very excited that he's leaning more into that. Mm-hmm. And it's working. 100%. Yeah. There's no reason that Captain America can't be funny. Right. And, uh, yeah, so lots of stuff happening here. New characters, uh, you know, some changes for some major characters, uh, and some things that are set in motion. This really does spin off into a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil some stuff because there are big moments. Yeah, you spoil enough this yeah, week. Yeah, there are big moments of coming. Hey, it's hey, Scorpio. Hey, Scorpio hey, was, hey, we knew he was a hey, fairy. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's that's a third song, I think, by you Countering, I'm countering you with the power of music. Terrific. Uh, Soothing your anger. Big things happening all up in here, and uh, it's terrific. Setting up a ton of stuff. Make sure 
you check out uh, Free Comic Book Day yeah. coming up pretty soon because you're going to get... Next weekend. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you're going to get more Steve Rogers Captain America action very soon. Big things popping, little things dropping over in Carnage number 7, written by Jerry Conway, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Andy Troy. When we last left our psychopathic protagonist or antagonist he had escaped on a boat he was somewhere out in the indian ocean and the team of carnage hunters had picked up a new addition by the name of jubu jubu lily i can't we had trouble with it last time right that name for the life jubu lily but we get a little flashback here a little flashback action to find out what the carnage crew has been up to since Carnage Crew represents since their initial encounter with Carnage, how Agent Dixon had to go back to the FBI and explain why her team had failed so spectacularly. And she meets up with an old Marvel character, actually a pretty important Marvel character named Victoria Montesi, an old Doctor Strange supporting character who was in the Darkhold uh, series that was part of the Midnight Suns book. As Ryan's eyes just glaze over and tries to figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, yes, she that had her own, all happened. She had her own book in the 90s. She's an expert on the Darkhold. She had her own book? Yes, she sure did. What was the book? Her and the Darkhold Redeemers. It was called Darkhold. Pages from the books of Book of Sin. Was she Lilith? No, she was not Lilith. Are you sure? Yes. She I was remember Vi- Lilith. She, she was Victoria Montesi. She had Madrid and some other people. It was a really scary book. It was... It was we say Carnage is like a horror book. It's appropriate because that was an all-out horror book that we were publishing. Was this pre, post, or during Rise of the Midnight Suns? This was post Rise of the Midnight Suns. Was this, this a one spin-out? Of, it was a spin-off. Hmm. They were they were they were Midnight Suns. She was a Midnight Sun, hmm. as it were. Okay. Uh, Carnage is busy in San Francisco. Speaking of the Darkhold, trying to figure out this crazy prophecy that gives him more power. I like that Jerry Conway is combining Carnage, who at the root is a science fiction character you know he's an alien he's got all this weirdness going on and introducing elements of like horror he's he's combining two types of horror he's combining the sci-fi horror with the magic based sorcery horror I would I would say another type of horror Mm -hmm. that uh, what's it's not the the like John Carpenter's uh, people like the the roving band of crazies who mm. live out in the like in the desert oh right like that kind of the hills have eyes the, maybe it's the hills have eyes yeah. or like that kind of horror too because he's got that like scary weird backwoods yep. vibe to him yeah that's just another element of it it's just jerry conway is doing something very cool mike perkins i'm looking at a page right now where john jameson is holding up a glass and there's a wolf reflection in the glass that i didn't even notice the first time i what? was reading they're doing little things so well here and there's some really horrific and upsetting disturbing scenes but there's some cool stuff with the carnage crew Trademark, by the way. Um, and Eddie Brock and we John need Jameson. Where it's like Carnage, you know, in like a, an old school B-boy pose. Yeah. And he's got a cool hat on. And it just says Carnage Crew. The Carnage Crew is actually an old school uh, Ring of Honor stable. Oh, really? So I stole that. Um, we get to see some Man Wolf. We get to see some Anti-Venom. We get to see Carnage in another location. That's the other thing. They're going all around the world in this. And, oh, man, the cover for next time by Del Mundo. Killing it. Yes. It's a great. We have a horror book, people. Yeah. We have a horror book. <laughs> uh, all right. On to Daredevil number six, written by Charles Soule, art by Matteo Bufagni and Matt Miller. Uh, before you proceed, could you please say what the name of this new story arc is? Uh, it's on the cover. It's on the cover. Uh, Electric Connection. And how is that spelled? 
E L E K T R I C. I love it. Little little word. I love wordplay. A play upon words, if I you love, will. I love wordplay. Yes, there it is. Um, and it's spelt like that because Electra is guest starring She's in this. Back. Yeah, uh, and it's awesome. It's really really cool. There are I think three scenes in this issue. There's uh, a scene with Daredevil and Electra out uh, like at night about to have some words, mm-hmm. if you will. There's in the courtroom area uh, with Matt dealing with a case. Electra happens to be there. And then there's uh, Matt and Electra going out for a date, having some dinner, talking about some stuff. Um, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's really well-structured in like very simple way to do this story and has a big impact. Um, Electra is basically looking for Daredevil. She goes to Matt because she knows Matt knows Daredevil, mm-hmm. because she does. No, she no longer knows. No longer knows that Matt is Daredevil. Yeah, and we get a little some more about the whole business. I like how they're gently teasing it. How yeah. Charles is putting sprinkling bit by bit. I also like that he introduces the element that by Matt doing what he did, he essentially made every woman who's ever been with a two timer. Oh, that's really upsetting. Yeah, no, and and it's part of the book. He says, and he feels bad about it. He's like, oh, he's like, when I took back my secret identity, all of them were with both Daredevil and Matt Murdock and didn't realize it. It's it's gross, but... I mean, to be fair... It's it's a real thing that would happen if this happened. Matt slash Daredevil has always been gross when it comes to women. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's a player. It's really a bummer. Anyway, uh, Electra's on a mission. We find out what the mission is by the end of the issue, but how we get there is great. There's fighting, there's, you know, uh, glances, there's teasing of other sorts, and it is... Glances? You know, glances. There's a glances? There's a, 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 a look and a whisper hmm. uh, in a couple places here, and it's really great. And also... Man, Mateo Bufagni. Yeah, just I was just gonna say, Mateo Bufagni really steps up to the plate, uh, doing guest work on Daredevil. Yes, Doctor Strange: The Last Days of Magic—they're upon us. We're losing magic. First, we have, we have a double shot of Doctor Strange. First, we have Doctor Strange: Last Days of Magic, one shot. Written by Jason Aaron, Jerry Duggan, and James Robinson. We have three separate stories. We have a framing sequence that Jason did with art by Leonardo Romero and colors by Jordi Belair, where Zelda Stanton is Zelma Stanton is trying to organize the books in Doctor Strange's library. And in the course, she introduces us to a bunch of new mystical characters. We've got um, Medico Mystico. Who I loved El Medico Mystico. Oh my god, I love him so much. This is great. I, so what I realized is we have these amazing little devices called cell phones mm-hmm. that are so powerful now they can do many things, including uh, loading up an app such as Google Translate. And uh, El Medico Mystico, he speaks in Spanish. Yeah, because that's what he does. But I took this wonderful device. And I used it to translate the the text to read what he said. What a world we are living in! What a world! What a world! And he's not the only new character introduced here. We also get um, a surviving. Uh, we also get Mahatma Doom. Oh my god! Who is the surviving monk of the guys who taught Doctor Doom all his magic? We also get Professor Zoo, who is this woman who can turn into an ethereal ghost. And the whole theme of this is that the empirical is coming down on magic. And this is like the last stand, the last days of many of the mystical characters. We get Dr. Voodoo, 
in a story by Jerry Duggan with art by Danilo Baruth and colors by Dan Brown. It's a great just kind of last stand of Dr. Voodoo story, him using the few remaining tricks he has left that haven't been consumed to try to uh, oppose the empirical and having a lot of trouble. And we get a new character introduced called The Woo, written by James Robinson, art by Mike Perkins, who's working overtime this week, and colors by Andy Troy. Uh, it's this great new concept of a family handed down tradition. Doctor Strange meets the original Woo back in the day, and then we see the new Woo in action against the Empirical. Um, Jason Aaron and his and crew are just really taking advantage of the fact that we're leaning into magic in the all-new, all-different Marvel Universe. We're taking different approaches as how does magic work? What's a sorcerer? What's a witch? What's this? What's that? And they're really having a lot of fun with it. And I love this last days of magic story because it's a perfect canvas on which to paint these new characters and introduce them in the harshest of lights i love this so much that all those characters i'm like please i want i want full series mm -hmm. starring all of them mm -hmm. they're really really terrific so that's the first part of the last days of magic the second part you can also get this week in doctor strange number oh, seven i love this book so much yeah it's written by jason aaron uh pencils and colors by chris Bashalo, inks by tim townsend alve mark Irwin, john live say victor olazaba and jaime mendoza and um it follows the uh, the empirical and Lord em Imperator. Imperator, and we get the origin. Yes, the which origin, I loved. which was terrific. Yeah, uh, and gives a lot of I don't want to say humanity necessarily, but you oh, can I'd see absolutely the, the, say humanity. Yeah, I guess it's just you see the other side of the coin and yeah. why things are happening the way they are doesn't make it right it's, but an, you ex can see. it's an extreme reaction yes but it's a reaction you can understand yes uh we also get to see some of the characters introduced in the last days of magic part one yeah. show up here and uh also what's his name monaco monaco uh, he has yeah. quite a stand monaco yeah monaco this little old dude who's injured and he's got a magic wand yeah and he throws down like throws down. nobody's business it's Terrific. There's fighting, there's magic, there's craziness. And there's um, magic. There's plenty of magic. No, there's not just magic with a C, there's magic with a K. Oh, yeah. There's tons of magic. It's kind of the K. last days of magic and the last days of magic, maybe. Yes. So if it's the last days of magic, it's going to be the last days of magic. Yes. Also, um, the librarian gal who's hanging out at Dr. Strange's Zelma house. Stanton, yes. Zelma. We just talked about her. Yep. She's... Uh, she has a big turn in this issue. We'll see where that goes for her. But we've got our, our last few remaining, at least that we see here, uh, magicians figuring out, okay, this we've, we've got to take yeah. a stand. And we've got to figure this out. Um, and I like, there's just a lot of mythology and world building for magic here that makes sense and feels real and feels right, which is cool. And as good as Chris Pachalo has been his entire career, this is like the wheelhouse he was meant to play in, just with all the magic Weird and the and like weirdness and the... Organic and yep. creepy and, and there's textures. Twisty landscapes yeah. and all that all that strangeness. Good stuff, good stuff. On the other side of the galaxy, we have Drax number six, written by CM Punk and Cullen Bunn. Breakdowns by Scott Hepburn. Scott Hepburn teaming with Scott Hanna on finishes. And then Matt Mila and Rachel Rosenberg coloring the whole thing in. When we last left Drax, he had a bunch of kids that he asked to return home. 
He's basically, they were kidnapped by Fin Fang Foom. Now he's got to get them back to their home planets. So he does that, and in the process, he wants to get back to hunting Thanos, because that's kind of what he does. He drops kids off on the Shire Empire with the, I don't know if that's the Badoon, the Brood. He's got he's got all sorts of babies, and he is depositing them where they need to be. Uh, <laughs> that's what you do, right? You deposit you babies where they need deposit to be. Deposit babies where they need to go, yeah. Um, and he gets in a fight with someone named Killer Thrill, who is not a fan of what he's doing. She's great. She is a tremendous new character. She's got some cool powers. She's got ties to one of Drax's friends. And she's more than a match for Drax. So she puts Drax on the defensive. They're running away. I like how um, the robot character that Drax is with... Corgo? Korg? Torgo. Torgo. Torgo keeps, every time Drax gets into any sort of bad situation, like, evaluates if this would be a good way to die or not. (laughs) So he's just be like, oh, that's a a mediocre way to die. That's a bad way to die. That's an exceptional way. That's an exceptional way to die. Go for it, Drax. But, um, yeah, so Drax taking on Killer Thrill. And then on the last page... Oh, my God. What? Even someone teleports onto the ship um, and it's one character with ties to Drax and one character who I never expected to Not see. in a jillion years. I would never have laid money on this. I want to know if this is a Cullen pick or a CM Punk pick. Uh, we need so, to find out. Uh, at C2E2, Ricky Purden and I had dinner one night with Punk, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about this character showing up really? okay. and how excited... Uh, punk was to actually like he saw that this character was available and they talked about it and like how ridiculous it would be to put this character and like update them into this context and he was so like childlike glee about bringing this character into the story it was fantastic tremendous yeah so we i think most of you reading it will probably go what the hell is this yeah who is this character Make sure you tweet us yeah. this week in Marvel hashtag. This is worth a Google search. It's also worth if you want to know. Yep, tweet and we'll we'll talk about it uh, next week next once time. the issue's out. Uh, because I think many of you will be like, I don't, I don't understand I don't know what's going on. Is. Yeah, and that's fair. But you want to. You definitely. You want really to. want to. Yes. And there are two characters on that page. One. Yep. Well, I said one's familiar to yes. the Drax mythos, and that was a welcome return as well. Yes. Okay, let's go straight over to the guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week we've got another flip book covering Iron Man three, as well as Thor: The Dark World. As always, these catch you up with everything you need to know about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and little ties to the Marvel Publishing Universe as well. Indeed. All right, so we're on to International Iron Man number two. Uh, This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Alex Malev and Paul Mounts. Uh, This follows the story as we see in two parts, uh, the past and the present. Past, younger, college-age, long-haired hippie Tony Stark. Just letting it all hang out, man. Hey, man, what's up, man? Hang ten. Let me go on my surfboard. Uh, and so he's there, uh, and we meet. We, we learn a lot more about Cassandra Gillespie. Uh, Great name. Yes. The, uh, the girl he was into back in the day, but also who now has him uh, in a bit of a bind. Bit of a bind. In the present tense. Uh, in the present time. and uh, In the present tense. Yeah. Uh, so Tony is trying to plead with her, like, you're you're doing bad things. Please stop. Yeah. Essentially, and she's got 
cool armor, cool tech, bunch of mandroids, mm-hmm. uh, like dudes in mandroids mandroid suits, out the wazoo. Uh, which it's, we don't get to see mandroids enough. No, not nearly enough. And these are like advanced mandroids. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Some high level mandroids. Yeah, but Tony is in uh, a bad way by the end of this issue because it's a tough battle, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to fight from the bottom. Also fighting from the bottom is Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Contest of Champions number two. Why it's fighting from the bottom, you'll have to read to find out. Um, This is adapted from Marvel Universe uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, written by Matt Wayne, directed by Calvin Lee, and adapted by our boy Joe Caramagna. Nice. All right, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number six. The end of the first part of this series, written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, art oh, by this is Na- another tough one. Yeah, Natasha Bustos and uh, Tamara Bonvolen, and uh, it's tough because there's some heartbreaking stuff in this. Some stuff yeah, that you go really hard. What? Uh, first, you've got uh, Lunella Lafayette, our, our hero here, like dealing with the reality of her life because she's like what is she like nine years old i think something like that nine or ten years old um she's smarter than everyone else she is afraid of turning into something different because she she has the inhuman gene she doesn't want to become something else she wants it's to a be metaphor for growing up guys Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but she uh, she's looking for the one thing that she believes will help her stave off the inhuman uh, change. Uh, she has to get through the killer folk, who are the time-displaced uh, Neanderthal cavemen. We basically become dudes. like a caveman street gang. It's they awesome. are terrific. They're, they're a delight. They're so much fun. They're ridiculous. Um, and Lunella has to fight them, save her mom argue with her mom, find a devil dinosaur, and really save the day. Uh, but by the end, we'll see really what the cost of all this is and uh, where that's going to leave her going forward. And where did we leave Miss Marvel prior to issue number six of her series, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Nico Leone, and art by Ian Herring? Well... We left her in the penultimate chapter of Army of One, which leads now to the ultimate chapter of Army of One. Miss Marvel has unwittingly unleashed an army of clones of her on Jersey City. They're causing all sorts of problems. They've turned into a gestalt giant one. Bruno's solution is to send a robot dinosaur after them. Naturally. Nothing's going well. Uh, chaos ensues. Miss Marvel calls in the big, the heavy hitters, gets Captain Marvel involved. Meanwhile... Bruno gets Loki involved. Loki, you may remember, guest starred in the first place and led to all this this chaos. So we've got Loki, Captain Marvel, eventually Iron Man, Bruno, Miss Marvel, all trying to put a stop to this giant Miss Marvel, finding a way to do it. But what Miss Marvel realizes after a talk with Iron Man is that she's been all wrong about trying to spread herself too thin. She's been has the wrong priorities. Um, and we get a really nice finale of the issue with her brother getting married, some cool, like, really human stuff. And, again, the stuff that's making Miss Marvel such a relatable, awesome character. And this is – if you want to know why everybody loves her, pick up this story. Yes. All right. Old Man Logan, number five. Old Man Logan. Written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino, and colors by Marcelo Maiolo. Um, this is my favorite issue of the series. Yeah, so it's pretty great. It is so good. Uh, it starts off with Logan, who just got here. Mm-hmm. He just got to, basically just got to Haven, just got to oh, I love this. And like, so I need to take a leave of absence. Like, bro, 
give me a ride out of here. He's talking to Storm, and she's like, all right, fine, but we need you. And he's like, that's fine. That's great. I got to go. I got stuff to do. Leave me alone. Get me out of here. I just, I just love the, I need to take a leave of absence from the X-Men. You've been an X-Men for five minutes, Logan. Yeah. It's great. You freak. Uh, but he goes on a road trip, uh, and we get flashes more of like the stuff that we didn't see in the original Old Man Logan series. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the pieces that got him from the murdering everyone to the the point of happiness that he had. So we see you know, the, the direct aftermath. of He realizes he comes out of the Mysterio haze and figures out, oh, my God, I killed all my friends. I want to die. Oh, boy. And so we see that. We see uh, part of a trek. Now, I couldn't remember this, Ben. I'm showing you a panel. Talk to me. There's a giant snake yes. wrapped around something. Was that in the original? Oh, Do you I don't remember? remember that. I looked at this panel, and I was like, "This." I think that looks like a Canadian flag um, yeah, let me, let me get up there. And look. so I, I was looking at the page, which is gorgeous, and there's this panel with this giant snake wrapped around something. I couldn't tell what it was. And I'm like, no idea. I like. I thought that was so great because I'm in that one panel. I need to know more. Like that, yeah. was, it was really lovely little bit. Yeah, right Jeff's there. teasing this stuff out because yeah. eventually he's gonna, you know, unleash the floodgates. Yeah, uh, but we get parallel story of Logan's path after the events in you know his his original timeline and the events now. Logan's run. Ooh, pretty yeah. good, pretty good. Uh, but we get to see where he goes and the people he runs into in both time periods and. By the and I, I didn't catch it. It didn't didn't click for nope. me until the end. And I was like, me either. Oh my god! Like, I don't think was it meant to click before the end? Did we not know her name? I don't know. No. I think the reveal happens when the reveal's supposed oh, to happen. Oh, but it's so good. It's still very good. It's so good. And then and then it like crushed me. Yeah, crushed me. Uh, crushed me. You know what won't crush you for a nice change of pace? Patsy Walker, aka <laughs> Hellcat. Number five. This is just, I, I can't believe we're publishing this book, and it makes me so happy that we are. It is a full-on, like, if you enjoy, say, Archie or something like that, you can really, but you also like Marvel superheroes and you like the Marvel Universe. This is like a cool comedy, romance, all these different genres set in the Marvel Universe. Uh, you've got Hellcat, Valkyrie, and some other folks the prisoners of Cassiolina, who is a second-rate enchantress, as they remind her time and time again. Meanwhile, Hetty Wolf, Patsy's old best friend, is trying to get the rights to her li- to Patsy's life story, and she is meeting with She-Hulk, who's Patsy's best friend, and a lawyer. You've got this great supporting cast with Tom and Ian. I love all these guys. Uh, She-Hulk and the the boys end up being the cavalry to come and save the day, and then uh, I love this guy. What's his name? Topo? Uh, topo. 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 The, uh, topo Gigio. Yeah, Topo. <laughs> topo, who is Cassiolina's henchman who turns on him, has a great little story here. Uh, man, I don't know. This this book just does it for me. I don't really know how to quite wrap my arms around it. But I love it. There's just a big cameo at the end, which if you've been reading Marvel.com, you knew to expect this cameo. I'm very curious how they're going to play this in the context of this comic. But just the fact that this is very much in the same way that Squirrel Girl is set in the Marvel Universe. This is set in the Marvel Universe, and that makes it so cool. I love that book so much. Yeah, I love it. Oh, so good. All right. Also books I love, Spider-Woman number Uh, six, uh, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Joelle Jones, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, Gosh, this book's so good. This is part four of Spider-Woman, and this one obviously focuses on Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, who's looking for 
the Jessica Drew or the Jess Drew of this Earth. Spider uh, Spider Woman. There's a AKA twist. Spider Gwen. There's a Earth. twist. What a twist! Uh, it's here uh, that she she's going. She's trying to learn more um, and it's terrific she's being super spy but she's also uh, being very sneaky and, and it's wonderful there's there's a part of this that reminds me of Kill Bill the part where uh, the bride goes to uh, see one of the other vipers hmm. um, I think they're called the five mm-hmm, vipers mm-hmm. yeah uh, yep. yeah there's a, that whole part there and it's great I just I love the vibe Keep that I got that. from this um, but Really cool way to, to wrap that up, and it's basically Jessica is trying to get home, but knowing that she has some time, she's like, I'm going to figure out what I'm doing on this yeah. earth. Uh, so it's really cool. I love young Reed Richards here, who's just like, huh, I made an interdimensional portal out of Legos. I guess I can do that. It was great. It's really funny. Um, for a young genius kid, he's got his head screwed on pretty straight. Yep. Uh, and then our our three heroes get back to Marvel Universe Prime because um, they know they've got some stuff to deal with. But more importantly, Jessica has to get back home to her kid. Yes. Speaking of kids, that's what Peter Parker is to an extent in the series Spidey, of which we are focusing on issue number five, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Andre Lima Arojo, colors by Jim Campbell with Java Tartaglia. Um, As we've said, the premise of Spidey is basically adventures of Peter Parker from back when he was in high school. Not a big worry about continuity, where do these fit, who cares, they're just fun evergreen stories. And this one is about one of his early encounters with the Green Goblin. We also see him interacting with Harry Osborn and Norman Osborn. Um, those of you who know Green Goblin know why that's significant. We see Peter and wanting to uh, impress Gwen Stacy, who he is tutoring and who's tutoring him, his problems with Flash Thompson, the stuff going on at home in that May. But really the star of this issue for me is the art by Andre Lema Orojo, who we've seen you know, on Avengers AI. We saw him do Spider-Verse. He gets to really open up with Spider-Man here. He really gets to focus on one character, and he draws an excellent Spider-Man. His Spider-Man is just like this weird like marionette doll who's just being twisted in every different direction. His Green Goblin is creepy. Um, their fight is beautifully choreographed, and Robbie Thompson writes a great story to just get you to know these characters on the most base of levels, and I, this book is doing a really cool service. It's, a, it's very different than any other Spider-Man book you're going to read. Yeah. All right. On to Squadron Supreme number six. This is the first part of Through the Lens. Doctor Spectrum. Through the Lens. Through the Lens, Doctor Spectrum. Um, So, written by James Robinson, art by Leonard Kirk and Paolo Villanella. Villanelli. Mm -hmm. Apologies to Paolo uh, for massacring the name. And inks by Paul Neary, colors by Frank Martin. And as we said, it's a big focus on Dr. Spectrum. Uh, opens with her trying to figure out why did Black Bolt leave me alive but destroy my Earth? Uh, and this is all stuff that happened before Secret Wars. Now she's come through the other side. Uh, and she's with the rest of the squadron doing all the stuff that they're doing, dealing with various different problems. We get a little bit more of her origin in here. We get to see some of the, the I, w- I was going to say antics that the squadron is on, but big crazy heavy missions is yeah. more like it um, but it's not just Dr. Spectrum in this issue we get to see uh, a very interesting scene with Nighthawk mm-hmm. very interesting scene mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we get to see some stuff with 
uh, Hyperion and um, other the rest of the, the crew in here. The whole gang. The whole gang. And by the end, it's uh, it's, it's very cool. We get to see uh, the character who is on the cover and get a sense of what their role may be going forward. Should I do Star Wars? Do you want to do Star Lord? I don't know. Let Let's me do Star Wars first. Okay. Because I have more books left. To do. Okay. Uh, Star Wars number 18, written by Jason Aaron. Pencils by Linneal Francis Yu, inks by Jerry Allen Gwynn, and colors by Sonny Go. This is part three of Rebel Jail. Uh, you've got Leia now with uh, Sanastaros and Dr. Afra. The Oof, three of them what a team. working together in the loosest sense. Uh, basically, it's Sana and Dr. Afra just arguing and yelling at each other and, and being uh, very snappy, and it's terrific. Terrific. I love their banter back and forth and very, you know, basically wanting to kill each other, but Leia having to be like, oh, for the love of the Force, please don't murder each other yet or I will throw you both out of here. Um, but they're on this, uh, what was once a an impenetrable jail, mm. uh, which has been taken over by mysterious uh, characters and their droids. Um, they are, Leia and her crew are fighting for their lives. Um, they're fighting to restore order and get down to who the heck is doing all this damage? We get a little bit more about this character and what they their philosophy is. The person who's broken into the uh, into the jail and and is basically going around murdering all the criminals. It's basically like the Punisher of the Star Wars universe. It's pretty great. Um, but by the end of this, uh, some characters show up who we don't want to see run into this uh, this. I don't, I don't even know. What, it's not a bounty hunter. It's just a, a killer person. Like from Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Not a killer folk. Okay. Whatever. The antagonist of this story. There you go. Use those SAT words. Uh, back before Secret Wars, everything was wonderful in the world of Peter Quill and Kitty Pride. They were getting married. Everyone was so happy. The whole Starcat contingent was over the moon. Over the stars, over the sun, through the through pizza. the through the lens, Doctor yeah. Spectrum. Um, but now, Peter and Kitty aren't together anymore, and we finally start to learn why that is. In Star Lord number six, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Javier Garon, color art by Antonio Fabella. The first bit is a split screen of Peter Quill telling Gamora why Kitty Pride is a jerk, and Kitty Pride telling Rocket why Peter Quill is a jerk. Both kind of making their case loosely on why they're no longer together, though we don't find out exactly why. Uh, we're getting, you know, bits and pieces, teases and nibbles here and there. Um, we get flashbacks to when times were good. We get Kitty and Peter eventually interacting with one another in a very rom-com kind of way. And then, just as they have this awkward encounter, they are forced to team together by someone who, on the surface, looks like Tony Stark, but isn't. Things start getting really weird. Uh, it's a Star-Lord, Star-Lord team-up. There's more Star-Lords. There's more Kitty Prides. It's really kind of crazy. And then the last page is this crazy guy. So it's all over the place. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I loved it so much. Javier Garon, man. Yeah, I know. I, you think very highly of him. Oh, God. And you should. Yeah. He's an excellent artist. Totally. All right. Uh, is it you again? That's me again. Ultimates number six, baby. 
written by Al Ewing, art by Christian Ward, who's the guest artist on this issue. We have Galactus. This is a Galactus-focused issue. Uh, Galactus is now the life bringer. I love this parable they have at the beginning of trying to push the rock up the hill, and they have this weird, like, space version of it. It's a Sisyphusian... It's a Sisyphusian uh, tableau, if you will. Galactus has brought the Ultimates back from beyond. They were trying to peek outside the, the multiverse. He brought them back for a reason. We find out that eternity is in chains. And then we get, if you read Infinity Gauntlet and dug all this, Lord Chaos and Master Order, who were among the cosmic baddies, or not baddies, cosmic bigwigs who were part of the whole Infinity Trilogy. One of the things that I, I, actually, I really, really like is how much weight Al and company give to eternity. Oh yeah, here. for sure. Because there, there have been times, I, I maybe I, it's just maybe it was just me, but I thought, oh, eternity's cool. He's like, yeah. he's just another one of those. Yeah, things. he's just another character. But he's not. No, he's at everything. All. And that, like, the, the reality of what eternity should be feels more realized now than I feel like has ever been before. I agree. And it's fantastic. And I also like this panel of Galactus oh punching God. chaos in the face. Christian Ward illustrates the hell out of this issue. Well, he, he punches order in the face. Oh, he punches order in the face? Doesn't he? Yeah, sure. he punches order in the face. Oh yeah, that is order. Alright, he punches order in the face, but I'm sure chaos felt it. Wait, but the fact that we can say he punches order in the face is a fantastic Punched sense. order in the face so hard that chaos was feeling it. <laughs> That's what happened. But no, we get a you know spotlight on this new Galactus, his new role in the universe. Also, how he came to be Galactus through this fight with these cosmic abstracts. Uh, we get a surprise guest appearance by a major player from recent days. My mind was getting blown to shreds. This in is this Al Ewing's just writing on a whole another level. He is writing stuff that is too big for the human mind to comprehend. And that's what the that's kind of what the remit is for um, for Ultimates. As it says on the title page, the impossible is where they start. So if you're going to do an Ultimate series with this cast, with this mission statement, you need huge, huge, huge stakes. And that's what Al is bringing to the table. And I love it love so it. much. All right. What I also love, Unbeatable Squirrel oh, Girl. Oh, man. Uh, issue number seven. This took me so long to read. Right? Oh, but, but I loved it. It opens on Galactus. Yeah, Galactus, the, the new character find of 2016. Galactus having himself a little drinky drink. Yep. Little awesome. No reason not to. He's got uh, like a stirrer mm -hmm. in it, and on the stirrer are a planet and a moon. Yeah, because that's what he eats. And, and then he eats them. Yeah. And it's terrific. Uh, but it opens on Galactus, who is, you know, pals with. Squirrel Girl. Yep, they're friends. But this is the uh, basically a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. type issue, uh, where you start with one, you start at a specific place, and then you, as the reader, get to decide what happens. You get to choose where Squirrel Girl or maybe another character goes mm -hmm. throughout the course of this issue, and you can take many paths to figure out the story, and it is. Terrific! It's Squirrel Girl versus Bonehead. Uh, there's a giant uh, uh, Kugoth, yeah. which is like a giant monster thing. Swarm shows up. Swarm is all up in there. Swarm's on the cover, and uh, that's no lie because Swarm has a significant role. Wasn't Swarm originally like a Nazi made oh, of yeah. bees? Right? Oh yeah, yeah. If they don't, if they don't mention that here, that's just an oversight. He's, He's definitely, definitely not Nazi. mentioned as a Nazi. Which he is certainly a Nazi. I'm okay with, like, 
removing Nazis. Sure. I hot take. He's still not a, bad, a big fan. He's still a bad guy. Very bad guy. Yeah. Um, there's just terrific stuff. There are paths where this story will end. Yep. For you. And you'll have to flip the page, you'll have to flip the pages back to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Take different paths there. Uh, it's really terrific. But you know the the Squirrel Girl uh, swarm stuff is awesome. Koi Boy, big feature in this issue. Gets just to to steal the show. Yep. Show uh, stealer. It's this issue does not have the footnotes. Mm. But it's true. You don't need them. We don't need them. It's terrific. It's fantastic. It's insane in all the best possible ways. Um, there's so many little bits and pieces here that I think are great. Not least of which is a baby squirrel photo in the letters pages. Yeah. That made me so happy. Everything about that book makes me happy. All right. Uh, on to Venom Space Night number six, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Ariel Olivetti. Uh, this wraps up the first storyline for um, this is uh, Broken Plays. Yeah. This is the, the wrap up to the storyline. With the pandas. They're kind of intergalactic panda pig. Intergalactic pandas. <laughs> Uh, I think they're called uh, Pick, Pick and Rolo. Yeah, they're pandas. Yeah, Pick Rolo. Pick Rolo is her name. Oh, there we she go. She is the the panda esque alien. She's that, a panda. That uh, Flash has on his crew, uh, rolling deep, trying to find Pick's daughter, um, and they are doing some subterfuge mm. in order to overtake. The uh, the bad space gangster engaging in a ruse, if yes. you will. Uh, but there's things exploding. There's punching. There's violence to the extreme. There's slashing. There's uh, you know heroic saves. There's um, all kinds of sacrifices and cool things. It's just it's terrific. And I love how the story has come together. And Robbie has built this really terrific group of characters. Put them all together should not fit, but it works. 1000%. Um, it's really, really fun. It's really, really sweet. And of course, of course, there's an element of foreboding and danger that sits above it all. But for right now, it's fantastic and everybody's happy. And also, Ariel Olivetti's art. So good. It's like I, there's someone here in the office who is not, truth be told, not a huge comic book reader, but was flipping through, saw Ariel's art, and was like, can I please have your copies when you're cool. done? Uh, because they were just so enamored by the art. Rightfully so. Last book of the week is X-Men Worst X-Men Ever, number three, written by Max Bemis, pencils and inks by Michael Walsh, colors by Ruth Redman, and this follows uh, Bailey, the young uh, mutant who has the worst mutant power, uh, which basically, if he uses it, will kill himself, mm -hmm. uh, and him going through his life at the uh, Xavier Institute. I think it's the Xavier Institute. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's kind of an out-of-continuity story, so it's not... Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, we get introduced to Miranda, plays a big part in this story. Miranda! Um, it's just... There's a lot of really cool stuff. It's very much like that great vibe of kids in school and, and in the midst of all the X-Men craziness that we grew up on mm -hmm. that is really fantastic, and you can tell that, um, uh, that Max Bemis just has a soft spot for that. It shows through. It's really, really fun, funny, quirky, weird uh, love letter to the X-Men, which is kind of great. Oh, man. Talk about a love letter. We just wrote a long, lengthy one to all the comics that came out this week. Yeah. I'm going to say for my twin of the week, uh, I really have to give Squirrel Girl something for just the sheer ingenuity, but I liked Doctor Strange so Damn it. much. You son of a gun. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Doctor Strange. Which one? 
the regular series. I'm giving it to Doctor Strange, Last Days of Magic, there number one. Pew, 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 so pew, this Last pew, Days pew, of Magic, pew, it's, it's some good stuff. That's my magic sound. Pew, 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 yep, pew. those magic pistols. Uh, woo? Yeah. Magic pistols. The woo. There we go. So we got all that taken care of. Alexis, what are you most excited to read? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. There we yeah. go. There we go. Yeah. All right, collections on sale this week. Astonishing Ant-Man, Volume 1. Everyone loves. Everybody loves team-ups. Captain America Omnibus, Volume 1, in hardcover. Carnage, Volume 1, The One That Got Away. Doctor Strange, Volume 1, The Way of the Weird, in hardcover. The Way of the Weird! Were you doing that just because you had to yawn? Nope. Okay. I didn't have to yawn at all. How about oh. that? Wow. Game changer. Extraordinary X-Men, Volume 1, X-Haven. Punisher Born is back out there. Spider-Man 2099, Volume 3, Smack to the Future. Spider-Man Brand New Day, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, and X-Men Age of Apocalypse, Twilight. All right, so in addition to most of the books, uh, X-Men, X-Men, Worst X-Men Ever, and um, the Year of, Marvels. Year of Marvels aren't specifically on the Marvel app because they've already been mm-hmm. digitally so, you so can, they're available you can definitely check them out but also on sale this week on the Marvel app we've got Avengers Thunderbolts 1 through 6 Black Widow and the Marvel Girls 1 through 4 Cable 5 through 19 from the 1990 series uh, Daredevil 319 through 332 Daredevil Annual number 10 Deathlock 1 through 7 Exile 60 and 61 Fantastic Four 300 through 319 Iron Man Annual number 6 Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers Unleashed, Unleashed. one through four. Marvel Universe. Oh, I just got that. What's that? I just got that. Why it's funny that they're unleashed. Oh, Ben. Marvel Universe Avengers Infinite Comic number Six eight. years later, I finally got it. Uh, uh, Avengers Infinite Comic number eight. Thunderbolts presents Zemo, born better. Mm. Uh, what if 77 and 81? I don't remember what those issues Not are, yet. but they're going to be terrific. Yep. So you should buy them. Uh, World War Hulks, Hulked Out Heroes 1 and 2. X-Men the 198, 1 through 5. And Extreme X-Men 24 through 46. We've also got digital collections on sale on the app. Carnage Volume 1, The One That Got Away. Daredevil and Elektra, Fall From Grace. Deathlock, The Demolisher. Doctor Strange Volume 1, The Way of the Weird. Extraordinary X-Men Volume 1, X-Haven. Incredible Hulk Volume 3, World War Hulks. Punisher War Journal, Hunter Hunted. Spider-Man 2099 Volume 3, Smack to the Future. Astonishing Ant-Man Volume 1, Everyone Loves Team... Everybody Loves Team-Ups. I don't know why you that's trouble a block that for me. Yeah. What if classic number six, X-Men Age of Apocalypse Twilight, and X-Men First Class Band of Brothers. All right. And on Marvel Unlimited, which just won a Webby. Yeah, Webby Award winning Marvel Unlimited. That's pretty cool. You know what you could use to get Marvel Unlimited? What's that, Ben? Your Marvel MasterCard. You sure can. That would be a great investment. And you can sign up for that at MarvelMasterCard.com. Look at that. There you go. Seamless. Seamless. It's like uh, they're not even here. Uh, Marvel Unlimited this week. We've got Angela, Queen of Hell, number one. Astonishing Ant-Man, number one. Captain America, Sam Wilson, number two. Chewbacca, number two. House of M, number four. Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one. Kanan, number seven. Karnak, number one. Uh, this is awesome. Marvel Age, Fantastic Four, one through four, six through nine, 11 through 12. Yeah. Marvel Age, Fantastic Four, Tales, number one. Uh, if you are interested in uh, books that are great for younger readers. There you go. Marvel Age, Marvel Adventures, always going to be up there. Uh, Marvel Apes, number zero. Marvel Apes, Speedball, number one. Marvel Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man, Web Warriors, number 12. New Avengers, number two. Spider-Man 2099, number two. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number one. Uncanny Inhumans, number one. 
Weird World number five, What If Infinity, Guardians of the Galaxy number one, and Where Monsters Dwell number five. Now, let's go to the news. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. All right, Ben, what do we got? Oh, man, we've got so much Civil War II in comics this week. We've got interviews with Al Ewing on both his titles, New Avengers and Ultimates, as they head into Civil War II. We have a sketchbook with David Marquez, who's doing the main book, and also with Michael Cho, who's doing some of the covers. Uh, Beyond that, you talked a little bit about the big character return in Assault on Pleasant Hill standoff. Uh, we We spoke to the writer, Nick Spencer, and got a little more background on said character. Over in games, Civil War is taking over all of our games. We had a special focus on what it's going to do for Puzzle Quest. Over in LEGO Marvel's Avengers, there's new DLC available. We're going to be covering that. Red Hulk debuted in Contest of Champions, and Future Fight also got an update. Gosh. Gosh. So much stuff. So much. Uh, Man, I... Trying to think, I'm Strami and the Wolfman will talk about all the more movies and TV stuff, but it just feels like there's so many things going on right now. So many balls in the air. Yeah, um, plates spinning, all of Dan's slot. Yeah, Dan's got like 15 Callback. plates at this point. Yep, so many plates. Uh, but you know what? Let's kick it over to Strami and the Wolfman. They're gonna take it from here. This is it. This is it for us. Mm-hmm. We're gonna let them bring it home. We're gonna uh, hopefully you'll let them know what our pick I will. I is. I will certainly let them know. And uh, you guys will definitely want to read up on that one. Yep. It should be fun. Probably the most requested one we've gotten. I would think so. And uh, we'll be back next week with more. This is... Well, wait. We shouldn't sign off. Yeah. Me. Take it away, Stromy and the Wolfman. Da, 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 da. It's the West Coast Stromy and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast Stromy and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast Stromy and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello, this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Stromy. What's magical is I can watch the levels right now and can see that both channels are rising and falling at the same time because we finally discovered how to mix this in mono. So hopefully all you listeners out there... Mix it in mono? When I had mono, I was out for three months. Have you ever had mono? Yeah, I did. When did you have mono? Back when, um, what is my... Junior year of high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I seriously was out of school for like the last two months of school. Yeah, I had mono. Get this. I had mono and pneumonia at the same time. I had. And had to take the semester off from my sophomore year of college. You you have me somewhat beat. I had. Somewhat beat? No, because I had mono, the flu, and terrible ulcers simultaneously. Ugh. Yeah, I was hospitalized for a week. Yeah. How do you get mono and pneumonia? I don't know. I still don't really know what either disease did to me other than meant I I, I had to miss uh, the Suicide File final show. The what? It's a band. Oh. All yeah, right. I, had to, I had to miss the show. Luckily, they've had plenty of reunions since that final show. Anyways, we're off to a great start. Yeah, this this is starting. <laughs> this is this week in mono. This, this is starting to sound like one of your uh, 
things, you know, where you do the thing. Oh, yeah. So what do we got this week? Like with animation, where you and Harrison just talk about anything but what you're supposed to talk about. Don't worry. Stay tuned because you get to hear a real good barfing story in that episode. All right. All right. So uh, what we got going on? What did we post? All right. All right. All right. Remember Outcast? Remember Hey Ya and how that was like the biggest song on the planet? Hey Ya. And I'm still upset about that line where they say shake it like a Polaroid picture because you don't have to shake a Polaroid picture. But you don't have to do. Right, but it doesn't do anything because it doesn't have to dry. It's a chemical reaction that you cannot speed up by shaking. I'm fairly certain you're incorrect. No, don't get, don't make me get Neil deGrasse Tyson to come in here and ruin everyone's fun by saying, "Oh, well, actually, the scientific uh, permutations that prove shaking a Polaroid picture and BB-8 cannot roll on sand." Listen. Neil deGrasse Tyson takes a lot of fun out of things, all right? He's a real buzzkill. We're, we're a little slap happy. I've been on the set of S.H.I.E.L.D. for literally the last week, all day, every day, doing stuff. And this is my first time back with Patrick and in like eight days. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. What did we post while I was out? Uh, we posted a whole bunch of premiere pics from all around the globe. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had London. We had they went Berlin. To Berlin. Singapore. Shanghai. Did they go to Shanghai? No. No. Okay. Singapore. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of London. London was a big one. Most of the most of the cast was at the London one. And what else did we post? I don't know. How many times have you seen Civil War now? Twice. Yes. We've both seen Civil War twice, and it's not even out yet. Are you just, like, trying to rub it in our listeners' faces? Like, yeah, yeah, we saw it twice. You haven't seen it yet once. Maybe. Maybe a little like, bit what, of that. What are you trying to do there? Well, I was – so th- this th- this is in line with something I was about to promote is uh, that okay. by the time you're listening to this, we've promoted um, – there's a big, like, cool tunnel car chase in the movie featuring Black Panther, Winter Soldier, and Captain America. And we just posted a uh, behind-the-scenes video of the making of that sequence and how the Russo brothers, the the directors, the Russo brothers, used Audis, Audi cars in that scene because Audi is something you can buy. So it's kind of like a real car, and they wanted to ground that scene in reality by using like cars you could go to the store and buy if you know you have the money for it. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So I was watching that featurette, and I was like, wow, I can't wait to see this scene in the movie. And I was like, wait, I've seen this movie twice already, but I'm still excited for it. Yeah, j- just remember, all listeners, Patrick thinks he's better than you because he's seen Captain America Civil War twice. Well, the first half of that statement is true, but it's not because I've seen Captain America Civil War it, twice. It's just because he is annoyingly arrogant. That's up for debate. Uh, yeah, and how annoying it is. <laughs> um, what else we got this week? New episode. Oh, we had a new episode of this week. Or not this week. <laughs> we, had, we had a new episode of uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. Um, a new episode of This Week in Marvel, which you're listening to right now. That's yeah. what you were going to say, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, new episode of This Week. <laughs> 
This Week in Marvel. That's it. That's what you're trying to say. You're listening to a new episode of This Week in Marvel. New episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course, we've got the big Fallen Agent story arc that continues on next week. Uh, this week, we uh, Fitz and Simmons got up to some scientific black market shenanigans, which involved Simmons stabbing a dude in the eye with a needle, a very sharp, long needle. It was terrifying like, and gross. Arya Stark's needle? No. Oh. No. But, no, like medical needle. Oh. So uh, a syringe. A syringe. There sure. You. Yeah, sure. all right. A syringe. Um, next week, next week, next week. I'm trying to think of what I can say about next week without spoiling anything. Is it it's part two of Fallen Angel? It's part two. Agent. Or part three. Agent. Fallen Angel? Agent. Is that what I said? Fallen, Fallen, yes. Fallen, Fallen Agent is, is, is part two. Uh-oh. Um, what can I say? I don't know if I can really say anything other than Coulson and his team really step up their search for Daisy. They really uh, they are determined to get her back, and uh, they may encounter her, and it may not go very well for everybody involved. That's all I'll say. Um... Of course, you can get some clips of that and all that type of stuff uh, later on this week. And we also have the our recap of this past week in the form of superlatives like best Fitz Simmons kiss or worst. How many of them were there in this episode that we got to choose well, the best there one? Were a few. Actually, there were a few. Yeah, the they yeah, have Fitz Simmons. They're, they're getting like full on like bone zone territory. As Ryan would say. Really? Does he say that? Yes. I'll take your word for it. You've never sat... Remember when we sat in and talked about the Deadpool comic and Ryan insisted on saying the word bone zone like 75 times? No. I guess I blocked that out. Because I'm now just thinking of uh, Randy the Macho Man Savage playing Bone Saw in the first Spider-Man movie. All right. Anyway, uh, I suppose we should cut to you talking to animation because I think we're coming back then and doing Twim URC and closing out the episode. Sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. Hear all about it and a story about barf in just a moment. Hello out there. This week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, and I'm joined by... Marsha Griffin. And... Harrison Wilcox. Coming at you. Not literally coming at you. I don't We're think. We're kind of coming at him. Yeah, it kind of depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be one of those, like, stings where we're like... Don't know, look behind you. Exactly, where we're like... Because <laughs> we, we are recording this in advance. We could be advancing. You never know. We could be advancing on any listener as you speak. Yeah. So check over your shoulder. Unless you're on a treadmill. Don't, then don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah. yeah, no, that could be dangerous. That would be a dangerous situation. And uh, Or walking a tightrope. That's also true. Yeah. If You know what I'm going to say just in general? If you're walking a tightrope, do not listen to this podcast because you should be focused on other things. True. Flying an airplane. Or, yeah, you know what? Even that, that's like driving a car these days. So I'm fine with it. And we're uh, coming from, where are we recording? To, where, where are we today? We here are. We're the, back. Coming at you from the Cartoon, cartoon kitchen. kitchen. We're cooking up some cartoons. Cooking up some tunes. Uh, uh, with our two 1980s microwaves. 
Just in case one doesn't get the job done, you can upgrade it to the other 1980s. You start in one, and then you finish in the other one. One's specifically a defroster. One is an actual cooker. Uh, Speaking of cooking up some cartoons, we've got a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. What's going on this week? Speaking of microwaves and gamma rays... Uh, <laughs> gamma rays deation. Okay, I see where that yeah, yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, uh, wild Avenger or Wild Fighting Steel Core. Steel Core is up to no good. Ugh, typical Steel Core. Typical Steel Core. Uh, Hulk is drained of his gamma radiation. Oh no! And is stuck being Bruce Banner. And this is fun because we don't often see Bruce Banner in true. Any form of anime, it's it's generally we just get to see the Hulk, whether right. it's uh, with the Avengers or when we saw him uh, the Agents of Smash. It was just Hulk, all Hulk, all the time. Right. And so now to get to see Bruce Banner, right? And for most of the time, it's uh, all Bruce Banner all the time. Yeah. For this one, so and it's interesting because Bruce and Iron Man get to team up and use their science brains together. Science bros. Those people, those kids today those love kids today, they those love their science, science bros. Yeah. So they get to team up. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, Hulk is, you know, they need Hulk's muscle. They don't need another science brain all the time. Oh, no. Yeah. So there's a so little bit of a conflict there. So they're kicking him out, is what you're saying. They're not kicking him out. They're going to kick out Bruce Banner. They're not kicking him out. He's no longer part of the Avengers. They're not kicking him out. And Banner wants to fight more as Banner and use his, you know, try, try and be, try and go toe-to-toe with the Avengers. And, of course, has a hard time of it as well. So he has to, anyway. It's a, it's a big Banner episode. Big Banner. Yep. And a banner year for Marvel Animation, in my opinion. Yes. Even though we're only in April. We've had tons of I think we can stuff. call it. Yeah, absolutely. We can call it. We can, you know what? This year belongs to Marvel Animation. <laughs> See you next year, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. We won. We are coming out on top. Uh, great. So, I mean, sounds like an exciting... It is. I mean, clearly, we find a way to bring the Hulk back. Oh. Not woo. to give anything away. Woo. Oh, I mean, you gave I a little I bit just, away. Yeah, I gave a lot away. Basically, you're saying... Not to give everything away. That's how it ends. Don't worry. Everything goes back There's to the status quo. There's other stuff I'm not telling you. Ooh. But I don't want you to think that Hulk is gone for good. Tell us those other things that you're I not telling. I cannot. Oh, man. We can, we can quote that. Other stuff happens. Right. I cannot Marsha tell Grimm. you that. Uh, great. So that's airing this week, uh, Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Um, on Disney XD. Yep. Anything? Too early too early for me. I'm Way gonna, too I'm going to DVR it. Way too early. Uh, anything else you guys would like to talk about while we're here? I just want to make sure you're okay because I know you had a bit of a traumatic experience over the weekend. That's true. Yeah. You seem to have colors come back into your into your face. You I seem pre- better. Has your sight returned? I think so. I think so. Has your appetite returned? My Oh, yeah. my ap- So, for the listener, because even, even Harrison, I don't think, got the full story, but I did see... Harrison, Saturday afternoon, in lovely Burbank, Burbank, California, for those West Coast listeners, or Los Angeles listeners. Burbank uh, has a diner known as Bob's Big Boy. Is it the Bob's Big Boy of Burbank? It's, I think it's the original one. The original one, because then there ended up being a whole... There's a chain, yeah. Because I grew up in Massachusetts, and there was an Abdow's Big Boy in... Agawam, uh, I grew up in Massachusetts too. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I'm saying there was a big boy uh, in. I want to say it was Agawam, 
but it might have also been Chicopee. You're yes. right. This yes. is the full version of a story. Yeah, this is a lot of background yeah. information. Yeah, and they had, and, mm-hmm. and on the East Coast also, too, they were also known as Elias Brothers. Really? Yes. But this Bob's but, Big Boy had something. this is Bob's Big Boy. So, so, yeah, there was Bob's Big Boy. It sounds like there's the Elias right. Brothers Big Boy. Yep. He is the, uh, they get to be the unique Elias Brothers Big Boy. Because, yeah. like I said, I had an Abdow's Big Boy growing up. There you go. So, this... This one, though, had something special for Patrick. On yeah. What happened? I like, I like how we were about to end the podcast, but Harrison's like, no, you got to talk about this thing. And now he's rushing to get to the point of the thing. Like, no, no, no. Now you're talking too much. You need to say. The, <laughs> well, I think we've covered details. the history. Of we've got, we're, we, yeah. no, oh, we have barely scratched the surface. For the of one the person still listening. For the one person still listening. Uh, so Saturday morning before meeting up with Harrison, uh, I decided to treat myself. Alone at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank, California. And what did I get? So it's a diner for those who are still just real confused. Uh, And I think I ordered pancakes Mm -hmm. with two scrambled eggs and sausage on the side. That's what I ordered. I'm sitting there drinking coffee in one of those... Like two-person booths. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like those really tiny ones. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there. I have a seat. I'm just like... Trucker or serial killer booths. Yeah, either way. Uh, I fit into at least one of those categories. And so I'm just kind of staring off into the middle distance, just drip, uh, drinking my coffee. And I see one child in a booth kind of like stand up. How, how old roughly? I want to say maybe like three or okay. three or four because they, you know, when they stood up on the seat of the booth... Facing their booth or the next booth over? Uh, the booth behind them, which happened to be one of those like circular corner okay. booths. Sure. So it wasn't like back-to-back booths. It was the, they were facing a circular... This is very detailed. Yeah, well, you know... Paint a picture. I'm a storyteller. Paint a what picture. What can I say? I'm a storyteller. And so the child stood up, uh, put his back to the table at which he was eating dinner. <laughs> so he... Or breakfast, rather. Maybe it was lunch. Who knows what he was eating. Anyways, turned, faced the other booth... And there was that weird, like, triangle of space mm-hmm. because it was a circle mm-hmm. meeting up with a, a hard edge. And he uh, barfed. I knew, I, I, had a, I had a bad feeling this is where it was headed. I didn't like where it was headed. He and, just and barfed. I, yeah. He just barfed. Everywhere. Uh, and Did he just do it in that little triangle space exactly. area? Yeah, so it wasn't. Well, that's it, very neat and clean. It wasn't it. on, like. Uh, it's not upholstery. Upholstery. It's not it's like hide. a leather type of it's leatherette. Yeah, it's it's fake leather stuff. Mm-hmm. So that impacted your meal in some way, I would assume. God, you know what you'd think, but no. You, you <laughs> held eye contact with him and finished your sausage and pancakes. <laughs> Just, like, see, I'm a big boy. I know how to eat my food. I know how to eat it and keep it down. For the, Suck on it. For the and they very the family then was like, oh dear God, what do we do? Because what do you do? I don't have kids. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. It's gross. You ignore it and move on. You ignore it, but no, I think they they very quickly like you know alerted someone and the person brought over a bunch of rags to try and like clean it up, mm. uh, and they left the establishment. But that's why it's called it, a little bit of history. That's why it's called Big Boys. It's because only big boys can eat there. Uh, if you're not a big boy, you puke up your meal and you have to go home. Did not know that was the history of it. <laughs> yeah, that is okay. the history. That is uh, Bob himself nice, would nice. would speak. Uh, that yeah. So okay, that was my weekend. 
And we've effectively doubled the length of the podcast yeah. just so I can say, oh, I saw a little kid barf at a restaurant over That's the weekend. A, yeah. That might have been the whole story right there. That might be, we might have saved some time. We just said, I, I, saw, like I saw I said, kid barf. Um, I like to craft an entire story with a beginning, middle, and end and learn the history of Big Boy, which people still don't really know. But uh, So on that note, make sure you tune in this Sunday to a brand new Bruce episode. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner, unhulked. Uh, you'll be able to see that. Brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. So make sure you cartoon in to Disney XD. Welcome, 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 welcome. Back. Patrick was supposed to say back right there. But that, that sure, if you say so. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we got Twim URC this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Uh, what did we read this week, Patrick? We read some Jim Stranko Shield stuff because I figured, you know, we're getting right close to a Shield season premiere. Why not read some? Yep, season premiere. Finale season. Have I mentioned I've been on set all day, every day for like the last week? All that matters is you said that out loud and didn't tweet it or anything because you'd have to be a real dumb dumb to accidentally tweet season premiere instead of season finale. What kind of ding dong would ever do that? How could anyone possibly confuse premiere for finale? It's amazing how you remember the tiniest loves i make down to the detail and, it's because uh, of because of how many there are it's hard that i like it's replacing knowledge that i actually need or have oh boy all right what do we read we start off with the little so originally i was going to do nick fairy agents of shield issues one through three and five which are the four main issues of the solo nick fury series that Stranko wrote and drew but we discovered that issue five, for some reason, is not on Marvel Unlimited. So instead, we start off with uh, Strange Tales number 168, which was the last issue of that to feature Nick Fury. Uh, it's a little weird one-off story called Today Earth Died that, <laughs> that I had actually never somehow read before. Um, Patrick, you had never read any of these before, had you? No. No. All right. So I'm introducing Patrick to Steranko. Have you ever read a Steranko before? Maybe. Do you know who Steranko is? He's a guy. Ugh. He's a guy who wrote and drew comic comic books, he's, funny books. He he was one of the he's considered one of the most influential and visionary comic book artists in the history of the medium. I can see why. He uh, he sort of brought like this pop art uh, style aesthetic to. Nick Fury, um, sort of building off of the uh, Jack Kirby model that had been there for the first 16 or so issues of the run. So what I want to know is why were Doctor Strange and Nick Fury, like why did they have a book together? Just because oh. they, they seem like s such opposites of so So here's the history on that. So back in... Because I'm sure listeners are also curious. Back in the 60s, um, the distribution outlet uh, that distributed comics and magazines to uh, newsstands 
was actually owned by the same people that own DC Comics. So, Never heard of them. So uh, what they did was, was, for whatever reason, the distribution company put a limit on the number of titles that Marvel could distribute through them. And I believe that number was eight, um, which is why when we start getting like, you know, uh, more superheroes coming about, we had things like Strange Tales, which at first had um, Doctor Strange and, well, I guess it's just Doctor Strange with some backup features and then it's Doctor Strange and Nick Fury. Uh, Tales to Astonish had first Ant-Man with some backup features. That was Ant-Man and Hulk. Then it was Hulk and yeah, Mariner. Like the, I, so I know that the distribution model was just kind of like bananas. And it was, oh, we need to put Captain America in Strange Tales because we need to put Captain America in there somewhere. And that's the only book that we can really put him in. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like it was just completely arbitrary that it was Doctor Strange and Nick Fury ended up in the same book. More or less, yeah. yes. Uh, and then that model ended around 1968, I believe, which is when, for instance, when this, uh, like when uh, Nick Fury, Agents of Shield, AGM Shield Number One came out, uh, which we're about to talk about. That was right around the same time. That was when this distribution thing ended. So Nick Fury spun off. Doctor Strange continued on with the Strange Tales numbering, I believe. So Strange Tales became Doctor Strange with issue 169. And then also Captain America kept the Tales of Suspense numbering with issue 100. Iron Man got his own number one. Everything spun off. Everybody got their own book. It's. I know people talk about like, oh, it's so hard to get into comic books now because how do you find the correct issue one and whatever. Like, if you think it's complicated now to find the character you want in the book that you want, just be happy that you were not alive in the '60s trying to figure out any of this stuff. I have a, a big. I think it, it was a book that came out maybe about four years ago that it was just like the chronological history of Marvel Comics where it was just going year by year yeah. and saying, oh, 1968, these are the titles that came out. And so just trying to keep track of all the bonkers numbering systems and title changes and, and all oh, yeah. that stuff I, is I mean, the, crazy. The, the, the first issue of Captain America's solo series in the 60s was Captain America number 100. Yeah. That was the issue number one. Right. Was issue number 100. Because he appeared in other storylines, but yeah. Issue one of Doctor Strange's solo series was issue number 169. Yeah. So, anyway, not enough about history. Jim Stranko, he came in, uh, he took over the Nick Fury strip because reportedly he went in for a meeting with Stan Lee, and Stan was like... Stanley who? Stan was like, you know, oh, what books do you want? And Stranko looked at their entire roster, and he's like, they're not going to give me, you know, Captain America. They're not going to give me, you know, whoever. So he's like, I'll take Nick Fury. Because at that time, Nick Fury, the sales were kind of dwindling. He figured, like, I can just basically do whatever I want on this, you know, uh, because it can't hurt anything. So he came on. He sort of not reinvented it, but revamped the look of the book. And uh, uh, sales started to pick up some more again, and uh, the rest was history. So today, Earth died is this 
super weird one-off that is essentially an 11-page dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, like psychedelic, very 60s, like James Bond type of... I mean, that's that's the whole vibe I got. Is yes, like absolutely. Nick Fury is just James Bond. Yeah, yes. From yes. like his romantic uh, oh, absolutely. And encounters I, and I, to... And I, and I've talked to Neil Kirby about Neil Kirby being Jack Kirby's son, Jack Kirby being co-creator of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury and all that. Uh, and he's telling me how, like, it, it wasn't meant to be, like, literal. Like, it wasn't like, you know, yes, this is James Bond just in the Marvel Universe, but it was all very much inspired by the right. mythos of the James Bond films. Um, but this, I mean, Stranko really ramped it up with, like, the weird, like, here's something you would never see in a James Bond film. <laughs> A weird alien centipede thing fighting Nick Fury, who has put on a headband that turns him into a weird green lizard tentacle thing. Yeah. Fairly certain that's never been in James Bond. No, that's in uh, Living Daylights. Oh, okay. All right. yeah, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, most people I, haven't I, seen that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Sorry. Um, but yeah, like it's just so bombastic and over the top. My favorite thing also is like. Inside the dream sequence, the cut to the subplot of uh, Jimmy Woo, who is, like, b actually being evaluated by Fury in the, like, real world. And then inside the dream sequence, without Fury there, they cut away to him. I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, and um, the, the golden man, is that what he's called? The the blonde guy who arrives sure, with a prism? Yeah, let's call him the golden man. I think he's referred to as being golden or the golden guy or something like that. It's like, oh, uh, I wonder if there's going to be a comic book in the 80s by another publisher who takes a guy with blonde locks who dresses like a Roman uh, god. You know, as as Oh, oh, yeah, right. I don't, I don't. Ozzy Osbourne, you know. I don't, I don't think that's quite. I don't really see that connection there. Really? Yeah. He looks exactly the same. I don't see it. Anyway, we cut to uh, this bonkers, like paste up page where they throw in like all this photograph and illustrations of the world dying. And then we get this weird EC style twist ending where Dum Dum's like, oh, I heard something <laughs> about a UFO. And you get like, like this is like the perfect EC science fiction ending here with like Nick Fury just like sitting there about to light a cigar and he's just like sweating. He's like, it's my dream. So uh, just for the record, I'm showing a blonde i'm showing Don't. mark a photo of a blonde man dressed in roman garb who also has a headband and mark still refuses to see the connection don't see it let's move on to who is scorpio yeah who is scorpio and who the hell cares fury does i guess you guess fury um Fun story about these first three pages, which are completely silent, like there's no word That's or awesome. anything. It is awesome. Also, Stanley at first refused to pay Stranko for it, writing them. Oh, really? He, because he's like, wait, you didn't write these. You just drew them. I'm only paying you for penciling them. And Stranko was like, no, I had to plot it out. Like, 
I this is this is still writing. So they had a debate about that. And it's it's I, also just cool because obviously, as uh, for everyone who read these books, you'll notice that Storenko's very wordy, and some yeah, some yes. pages are just completely full of text. So to have three pages with absolutely no text is pretty surprising. Um, and we've got like this weird like. For some reason, Nick Fury's trying to kill his LMD double. Um, it, it's fascinating to me how, like, they keep on, like, alternating narratives here. Like, we start out with Nick Fury, and then we go to this, like, comic that isn't very funny and has a gambling problem. And then we go to a gangster who can just point out in the gangster, like, in the first panel... Uh, they have him looking at a guy whose hand you see in the forehand with a gun. And they're like, how many times do I have to tell you, Lester, put the rod away? But you never actually see Lester. N- nor are you ever uh, uh, thinking like, oh, rod. Clearly that means gun because everyone refers to guns as rods. They did. Who? Back in, back in like the 50s and 60s. Yeah, whatever. You got to watch more film noir. Um. But I think the reason why this is there is actually for the visual flow of the page because Stranko talks about like a lot about how like uh, you need the angles of certain things to match up. So like I don't know how I'm going to explain this without you seeing why I'm doing listeners. But if you look at like for instance in the upper left-hand corner is the dial is the caption that carries you over to the dialogue, right? And by the time you hit the dialogue in the upper right-hand corner, your eye is drawn to the woman behind the gangster. All of those lines lead down towards the uh, bottom left-hand of the panel, which that gun helps accent. That carries you down to the word balloons in the second panel of the page. Read through those. Then you f- your eyes follow his face down. He's holding the cigarette smoke, the cigarette, and the smoke of which carries you up into the next panel. Then his hand movements are straight, leading you into the fourth panel, which is the third on that tier. And then you see the word balloons, and the woman is holding up the drape, and the way her fingers are angled, the line leads you down to the left again, where you cut to these street signs that are prominent in the bottom panel angled down to the left uh and there's with, literally with, a, an arrow pointing with, at the first with, with b- a word one balloon. way pointing at the first word balloon so like everything about this page is perfectly constructed to or perfectly constructed to direct your eye the way it is meant to go Fun fact. you're right that would be complicated to hear without looking at all right, we're looking at page six of Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., issue number one, kids. Go and look for it for yourself. It's a, it, is, it actually is a beautifully composed page. Um, anyway, and then we cut to the uh, race car driver, who I don't think we ever returned to. It's kind of hinted that the race car driver is Scorpio, but... By the, I still don't know who Scorpio is. Even by the end of the issue, I don't know well, anything see, about that's Scorpio. The thing, that's the thing, is Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, AGM Shield number five is called Whatever Happened to Scorpio and uh-huh. resolves all the Scorpio stuff. So you kind of miss that. Also, here, can I just point out, like, 
as we get in. I love that Nick Fury is the one in the center of all these dangerous tests. Like the director of Shield, it, they're like testing like this armor. Like, well, if this armor fails, it'll kill you with this like nuclear bomb we're dropping on you. So hopefully, it let's works. not let yeah, let's not put an LMD in there, which we just established a few pages earlier. I it, let's put you in there. Yeah, well, it, but it's just so much cooler to have. Well, yeah, Fury. of course. But I mean, can you imagine if like Barack Obama was like. No, I'm just I'm I'm just gonna test out this nuclear shield myself. No, I don't think he'd do that. No, I don't, I don't think he would either. But anyway, then uh, and I like how he's like, oh, you push the button for the missile to launch. While I'm waiting 11 minutes for that missile to get here, I'm just going to take my shirt off to do some sunbathing. <laughs> But then, again, he looks so cool when he smashes through the wall. Oh, yeah. When he rides a motorcycle through the wall to uh, surprise the the person who, yeah. Scorpio. Yeah. And, again, this use of the double-page pl- double splash, this was not – I'm trying to think. I, I, I feel like Kirby had to have done it once or twice by this point. Although I, he wasn't, but I th- Kirby wasn't really fond of the double page splashes until really the seventies. And I think what's, you know, as all the readers saw, his use of double page splash always just come out of nowhere. Like now in comics, you can kind of anticipate when there's going to be a huge battle or something. But uh, Storenko, it would just be, it would just come out of the blue. There would be this gorgeous double page. Uh, splash, which I think is pretty exciting. It is, because it's more shocking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we have this battle in the streets, yada yada, an explosion in a telephone booth that still leaves the receiver asking for another 50 cents. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on to issue two, which by far I feel like is the most bonkers of the four issues we read. It starts off with Jimmy Woo going through like this hellish... Skeleton battle? Like... That part was House awesome. Of terrors. Um, yeah, he just like fights the skeletons and they just dissipate. Um, oh, fun story about. Do you have anything more about the Jimmy Woo sequence? I don't know. I just wrote down cool skeleton battle. All right. <laughs> As a note. Fun story about page five of this issue. Um, it's a mostly silent page. There's just one caption at the top, and it's just. Uh, uh, Fury and the Contessa, like, sort of, you know, like, just flirting with each other and then making out and everything. So this final panel on the page was originally a shot of, a, a sort of long shot of Fury and the Contessa just kissing, right? Right. Um, someone, I'm not sure who i'm not sure if it's the comics code authority or if it was stan lee or another one of the editors thought that was too suggestive so they had stranko change it stranko changed it to a shot of nick fury's gun slipped into his holster and everyone was like yep that's way better yeah i mean i don't think we need to get into (laughs) the implications but uh Wait, I've got here. You guys can't see it, but I'll show Patrick. Patrick, that was the original panel. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like just maybe it's because it's a panel of them on like a 
tiger skin rug that they're like up oh, too suggestive they are fully clothed yes they are fully clothed. they're fully clothed and they're just smooching so yeah to instead be like oh well it's you know he took his gun off and that's why we're seeing a panel of a gun in a holster you can read read between the lines of the implications of that panel yep and i love how like that page is actually, now that I'm looking at it, completely disjointed from the rest of this issue. Yeah, that was just, you know. It's just a nice one-page interlude to show, like, Nick Fury, ladies' man. Yeah, and I should point out, it was a white tiger skin rug. Oh, a white tiger, all right. Yes. <laughs> a white tiger skin rug. So, uh, yeah, so much for those that species. <laughs> then, uh, then we've got... I don't know, Nick Fury and Jimmy Woo, they're on some type of mission, and they wind up on this weird island that has, uh, I, I don't know, dinosaurs and aliens and hover cars. and Yeah, and this, again, you're getting to this double-page splash panel where it's not like a huge climactic, a bunch of heroes colliding with one another or, you know, whatever. It's just... No, we're going to show just the island. Yep. Sure, why not? Let's just see the island. Um, and one, one thing I also wanted to talk about here that Stranko did a little differently and expertly from other storytellers from the 50s and 60s was that in the 50s and 60s, the premium was on uh, the visual storytelling. Like, obviously, Kirby was great at this, but even going back to the EC artists, like... Wally Wood, uh, Wallace Wood, uh, Al, Al Feldstein, uh, Johnny Craig, uh, Jack Davis, all those guys. You could follow the story without reading any of the words. Stranko <laughs> was, was much more concerned with the overall design of the page because he understood that, like, you can tell the story using both words and images. So, for instance, if you look at, like, the page on page 10 of issue 2, like there are all these panels up top while he while the guy is explaining all about like the origin of like evolution and blah 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 blah, and then all these other panels. And if you're just reading this page on its own, it's like gorgeously designed. It looks amazing, but if you're just reading this without the words, you're gonna be like, why why is all this there? But then he uses the words to really tell that story, and he really tries to use both means of storytelling together into one yeah the a lot of the time reading it i was like hmm i wonder if jonathan hickman is a big starenko fan with these giant soliloquies with just tons of text and huge massive science fiction concepts and apocalyptic uh origin of the species things i imagine he is so, yeah, uh, if you're a fan of Jonathan Hickman, make sure to delve into Storenko. Uh, also, I believe on page 14, this obnoxious director guy, I believe Storenko drew him after himself because he looks like a lot like Storenko. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, then we get Nick Fury fighting a T-Rex. Then we get a T-Rex <laughs> fighting a giant... Um, not King Kong. Not, not King Kong. Just, just Kong, Kong. A giant robotic... Ape, which I love. I'm fairly certain that's not how they made movies in 1968. No, I, they I, didn't make full-size robots. I, I don't think they made a full-size, four-story-tall robotic ape. But 
It's the Marvel Universe, so we'll go with it. Uh, and then we get the crazy scientist dude uh, jumping into something and killing himself. And then we get to my favorite of the four issues, which was issue three, which is the super strange, it's called Dark Moon Rise, Hellhound Kill, <laughs> which involves the Scottish Moors, uh, ghosts, uh, ghost dogs. Ghost hunters. Ghost hunters, Nazis, and murder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this opening double-page splash pages two and three is astounding to me because of the way he uses negative space, which is not something I don't think really anyone had done in a comic before. Like comics, you know, is always a pre, they, they always put a premium on using every inch of space you possibly could back in the day. And now we've just got this two page thing that is like a mostly white page. I don't know, it's just, it's really incredible to me. Pretty cool. Um, and then we get we get the introduction into the well, uh, ghost hunters. And it's that uh, page you were just looking at, which is like the first page of the actual story. It's it's cool because it's uh, especially compared to the previous like alien sci-fi plot using all these wild, vibrant colors to now this more like a horror story. That it's just a lot more stark and the colors are, are less saturated. That's true. So the you know, the style of the art definitely changes from book to book to reflect the tone of the story. Wait, was this your favorite issue because it was spooky? Yeah, of course. Um Anyway, yeah, the, I, no, Patrick is right. Like, the colors in this are much more subdued. There's like, just a lot more muted, except for this bright red. Well, yeah, you get these panels that are shocks of red. Like, the very first page was the shock of red. Uh, there's a shock of red when they're telling the story of, uh, of uh, the um, black hue. Um, and then we go right back into, like, the muted grays and blues. Um, we get the... Uh, yeah, it's every panel or like every page is just purple and blue, like light blues and whites and black, as opposed to the last issue, which had, you know, the entire spectrum in each panel. This amazing double page spread of them chasing after the blind girl while the hellhound is chasing after her. God, this is all just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe all this other than just read it and then yeah this giant and then, and then we get and then at the very end we get we get the uh, splash panel of nazis who are still like hiding out under there apparently even 20 years after the war ended uh and a long thing of text explaining what's going on on the left anyway all right what what we got for rear comments what rear say uh Patrick? so we got D don dj fanko uh, opened up MDCU to read Twim URC for the week and was pleasantly surprised to find Dr. Strange. Uh, that apparently was a Tumblr post that we did not get to read the full thing. But uh, I do want to point out I read the Dr. Strange story as well. And my favorite part of the Dr. Strange story is uh, at one point there's the line, this world and its terrors Drive me to the very edge of sanity. 
And I was like, that's how I feel about our worlds. I thought, I thought you were going to say that's how I feel about working with me. Well, that's included as part of our world. Uh, then, yep, uh, then Don mentions, is that a hookah Nick Fury is holding despite having a cigar in his mouth? That's off the hookah. No, that's, that's a, a microphone. That's a play on words from, you know, off the hook. Anyways, not sure what's more far out, a spaceship coming down from the sky or the Timothy Leary guy's necklace in the other panel. The, the, uh, the alien even looks like Dennis Leary. I think I hear the alien knocking. I think he's coming in the city. I'm not sure I understand all of that. Uh, wow, Count, Countess Valentina de Fontaine goes way back. She certainly does. I know this isn't Contessa's first appearance, thanks to the narrative, but... And then that's that was another Tumblr post, so it got cut off, unfortunately. <laughs> you, you're doing great at this so far, Patrick. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, and she just took the papers away from me, so I'm going to stop I also didn't reading. realize her appearances were as deep as that plunging garment line in back. Yep, that is, that is a very deep plunging garment line in the back. My familiar... My familiarity is evidently limited since the most appearances of hers I've read are contained in Secret Warriors. As much as the story in Strange Tales is a product of the time, there's a truly timeless aspect to At I Am Strango's art. There is indeed, because he's one of the godfathers in my mind. I'm grateful for a chance to read this Twimier Sea arc and remember how awesome Strango's work is. He's an artist for the ages. The dialogue transitions in Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were fantastic. I'm a sucker for seamless dialogue transitions. I was particularly impressed by the rocket sled escape, too, though if that issue had been made in the 90s, if that issue had been made in the 90s, Nick Fury wouldn't have been able to run to meet that rocket sled because he would have been too bogged down by pouches or he would have pulled a rocket sled from his pouches or his cybernetic legs would have turned into a rocket sled yes uh oh actually that was only part one of a tweet <laughs> so yeah he actually said though if that issue had been made in the 90s you would have seen his darkened face one eye and a big smile when the nuke detonated behind him as he raced away there's something delightful about Fury and Val walking the rainy streets of NYC sans umbrella. Uh, read more, Patrick. Ugh. Uh, Nick Fury busting through a wall on a motorcycle is the panel that launched thousands of 80s movies. And I saw most of those 80s movies. And then a wrap-up in a single concise panel. Uh, despite how different each story was in this Twim URC series, I enjoyed how the final panel of each story had a gutter break. Uh, the twist at the end was kind of fun and a great homage to... Uh, oh, I was reading them incorrectly. Uh, Don, DJ Fanko, still says, Hey, at the Wolfman, that's me. Was issue three your favorite? It had a very occult horror vibe, a testament to Stranko's versatility. You know me all too well, DJ Fanko. Wolfie likes the spooky. That's that the occult horror hellhound story. Yes, that was my favorite. That kind of hits three things that all kind of define me. Uh, it reminded Fury of Cain and Abel with a little Macbeth, but I saw the Hound of the Baskervilles with some Last Crusade in there. I agree. Uh, those are all elements that, that did kind of tie in there. 
And then that's when you mentioned the twist at the end was kind of fun and a great homage to Fury's WW2 roots. That means World War II. Read what Penelope Cat has to say. All right, Penelope Cat, what we got? This week's This Week of Marvel and Marine Club selection of Stranko Nick Fury Shield stuff. So excited. I read these a while ago when they were collected in a nice recolored trade. Looking forward to rereading them. Strange Tales 168. Credits are unclear. Lee's name is there, but Dayette was Stranko writing at this point? I believe, yes. Uh, I believe this was written by Stranko and edited by Lee. Okay, crit, mystery solved by looking at the Crares tab at Unlimited. Well, all right. <laughs> there you go. Solve that. I always think of Mike Allred as being very Kirby-influenced, but that shot of Fury jumping into his car reminds me of Allred, too. That's yeah, that shot was awesome. I feel like you see a lot of Kirby influence in the faces, but the layouts appear Stranko at this point. It certainly says something when the S.H.I.E.L.D. story is even weirder than the Doctor Strange story. Fury transforms into a monster? What? <laughs> That's very true. Um, oh, and she agreed with me as well. Uh, the look on Fury's face in the last panel is pure EC Comics twist ending. What'd I say? What'd I say? Or you read all these comments first and were like, I'm going to put that in there like it's my own thought. <sighs> issue one, from the logo design to a final panels in the rain, I'm feeling a lot of Eisner in this issue. This is true. Rain, good rain shots always remind me of Will Eisner. Also, this is what a James Bond movie would be like with an unlimited budget if they spent most of the money on LSD. Yeah. Yep. Also, that's where most of the budget for Twim URC goes. So, uh, you're welcome. There's something very vintage about testing a protection device by putting it on Fury and firing a missile at him. It's like she. It's like she's. It's like you read all these before. I did not read like, these comments Ooh, beforehand. This Penelope cat sure is a smart person. <sighs> Issue two. If only I can subdue the beast with my tie. Proof that you should always take time to dress your best, and I do. See. You're not wearing a tie now. I'm not wearing a tie today. No, I'm. I'm. I'm tired. Silent Pages with Fury and Val is Stranko as Finest Tiso completely captures the mood with a series of disparate images. Issue 3, one part Sherlock Holmes pastiche, one part gothic horror with a dash of spy action. Stranko really is having fun here. I feel like Dan Adkins' inks are a better fit than Frank Giacoya. The finer lines seem to suit the art a little better to my eyes. I didn't even notice that those were different inkers. Let me look at this now. From issues one to two? No, it's from issues one, two to three. Oh, well, I mean, I think also... I mean, I think Frank Giacoya definitely emphasizes the uh, Kirby influence in Stranko. You're right. And he is, yeah, he is softer. Although I feel like also the uh, Frank Giacoya's inks are more appropriate for those stories, whereas... Uh, Dan Adkins stuff on this story. It makes it much softer, much creepier. Um, the Strangle Shield stories have a repetition as classic spy stories, but there's so much more than that. They're totally crazy. They are. I wish Stranko had done more comics work. I wish more of his work was in print. These stories were a lot of fun. Actually, you can find all of Shield Strangle Shield stuff in one hefty trade paperback, which is actually why I've been using... Um, <laughs> as we've been talking about this to flip through things, it was printed how many years ago? Two years ago? Three years ago? Two or three years ago. So you should still be able to find it if you just do a search for Shield by Steranko. 
the complete collection. All right, that pretty much wraps everything up. I think we're told that we are wrapping up this podcast, so. We're good? No. That's it? That's no, like of- this episode. Like, we're, like, we're, like, they're, we're not coming back to Ryan and Ben, supposedly. So we're going to wrap this up. As and if- uh, for those curious, just to clarify, next installment is going to be oh, yeah. Civil War. Yes, next installment in two weeks, back with Ben and Ryan. It'll be Civil War, Civil War, issues one through seven. I wonder why they chose that. Huh. I don't know. Probably because Civil War Two is coming out. Yeah, it's probably because of Civil War Two, the comic. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you don't want to waste your time reading the all seven issues of that thing, I recently tweeted a link to a listicle I did that highlighted the most important moments of Civil War. Didn't you do that listicle like ages ago? Yeah, when we first unlocked listicles on our site eight years after everybody else started doing them. All right, on that note, thank you all for listening. I'm not going to do the usual spiel since we're dropping the ending to the official podcast. I'm just going to say come back here next week for more. Until then, this is Marvel. My uni- Wait, no, that's not right. Your unicorn? Your un- This is Marvel. Your unicorn. It's not right either. This is Marvel. Your unicorn.